Welcome back to hour number two of Sports Talk. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Vince Ferrara. Our hour with Vince brought to you by Waters Equipment. Vince, I know this is a company you think very highly of. Yeah, absolutely, Jimmy. They've been delivering. It's amazing. For 48 years, and you hear more and more feedback about customers that are finding Waters Equipment because of uh, of me talking about them and getting the helping get the word out and then word of mouth which is a big part of why they've been able to grow and then deliver through the years so just really excited about the work they do and how many people they're making happy so glad to be here each week with you to to help uh, tell everyone about this great company all right tennessee's defensive assistants met with the media and uh, every one of them, my, uh, Coach Heupel, Josh Heupel introduced them, and then they talked with the media. Vince, what are the things? Let's start. Let's go by Coach. What, what stood out to you about what Willie Martinez said? Well, it was, you know, he's a, he sounds like a football coach, which is cool. He's very, very detail-oriented in his explanations and his answers, and the, this is not news to you, Jimmy, I realize and also, he talked about, this isn't as good, he talked about all the players that either are at Tennessee or were at Tennessee that he tried to get at other schools, but he didn't get them. <laughs> so he's like adding on, well, you know, we wanted to get this guy, and we wanted to get this guy, and we wanted to get this guy. <laughs> and I know what he was, he was giving the examples of you never know, you know, comes full circle and you end up here. Uh, like a Theo Jackson and Danico Slaughter and other guys, but he's just giving example after example of guys that he didn't get in recruiting. So uh, I, I thought that that was interesting. That's not what he intended. He was, you know, obviously spun it positive in talking about the the pace of working, practicing with the high pace offense. Here's my thing on that, Jimmy. I, I get what he's trying to say that you practice against hyper speed offense in practice then it may seem slow in a game okay yeah. you're prepared for the speed now does that mean that you're going to stop it yeah. no <laughs> uh so that that's where kind of he kind of lost me a little bit on on that one but again i understood what he was trying to say i really like him i, I like his style of just being really detail oriented and giving explanations i think he gives good answers especially when you ask detail on a specific player or defense that you're running so i like him as a coach those are just a couple of the things and obviously his affection for for tennessee also those are a few of the things that stood out uh rodney garner well him saying that josh heupel wanted to hire guys that wanted to be at tennessee and didn't want to use this job as a stepping stone uh you know we kind of kind of heard that it might have been danny white that had said that but he just kind of threw that out there in, in passing and i i think that would really resonate with fans that he if that is in fact the case i think that's something that fans would want to hear and would really connect with them you know you talked about one of his daughters being born at fort sanders and uh, it's been so long since they've been here. And obviously Tennessee was having success when he was here the first time. He, he's, he's a ball coach, but he's one that has a, just a great track record in recruiting. And you could see, I think, how 
he would come across as down to earth and really connecting with, uh, you know, with, uh, with players. And, um, and that, that hypo comment was the biggest thing. I thought, I thought Ronnie Gardner was, was very interesting. And when we heard from him yesterday, I thought it was interesting when I asked him about, uh, with all the offenses you're facing and, and what do you want out of your defensive lineman? He said, you have to be athletic enough to, um, to play against these spreads and, and run and stay on the field because you can't sub, but you also have to be stout enough to plug the gap to stop the run. Right. And th- those type players are <laughs> – they're a rare commodity, aren't they? Yes, and he even kind of pointed out when he was talking about the type of players that you would – that he would be looking for uh, or his kind of players, I guess, is what he was asked about – and he he started with with the you know the measurables and the you know the player itself because you still need dudes, and I think he's a guy that can help Tennessee get dudes in a position that they need dudes in. That this league, in order to have success in this league, you need even if you're not going to have the number one offense in the SEC or in the country, because that's not today's college football. You still need enough dudes to where when you make need to make a key stop. Or get a key turnover, make some a game-changing plays here and there. Even if you give up 28 or 31 points, you still need those dudes available to make those plays. That's the recipe for all the big-time programs. They're not the number one defense every year. They're the ones that have the athletes that can can still rise up. And I think he's at least a guy in a critical position that can help them get those kind of players and another thing coming to mind jimmy that he said is the opportunity to get tennessee back to elite status where we think it belongs i think that's another thing that really resonates with fans is they there is a big chunk of this fan base that doesn't want to hear it from the people that are realistic about where this team is that that some fans think that 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 other fans, other parts of the Tennessee fan base have lowered their standards and they need to, the Tennessee deserves to be an elite status and they need to think like that. And I, I there's obviously, obviously that's a, another argument for another day, but I, I think that's something that, that resonates with fans. When you start talking about putting Tennessee back to elite status where it belongs doing it, Clearly, there's a lot more work than than just saying it, but I, I thought that was noteworthy and something that I bet resonated with fans also. He also said there are three things that don't lie, the Bible, the mirror, and your tape. <laughs> How great is that? That's got to, we're going <laughs> to steal that, man. That It's so true. <laughs> so, all right. Um, new defensive coordinator, Tim Banks. Your thoughts on what he said? Uh, I think he, for for Banks, it's not marrying himself to a, a specific defense until he fully evaluates his team. You know, the coach has talked about getting cut-ups of the players and evaluating them to a certain extent. They, they have to do that. Boy, I remember, I remember being at Nick Saban's first press conference. Jimmy, I, I may have mentioned this a long time ago on our station, but I, I was at Nick Saban's introductory press conference in Alabama. And I remember asking him, how do you go about evaluating 
your current players so you can make an assessment on what you have moving forward. He lost it. He laid into me <laughs> for asking that question. Really? Well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we don't judge, we're, we don't judge these players. I'm coming in here. It doesn't matter what they did before. And he just snapped at me. That was the one and only time that I that he snapped at me at any press press conference. But uh, apparently he didn't like that question. But it's legitimate. You still have to know what you have to see what what you're going to do with a lot. Most of these players are the ones that you inherited. So see what they can do. Then, yes, then you let them prove you right or wrong what's on tape. As Rodney Garner said, the tape don't lie. So see what you got. Then keep your mind open as a coach. See what they do if they improve maybe in your system. And that's another thing that Tim Banks was kind of talking about is, yeah, maybe maybe with with what we do and where we play them, maybe the, we do get more out of them. And Tim Banks did said something that I think has been a theme throughout all the assistants, Jimmy, and that's adapting. You might have even asked about it, and that's adapting to your personnel. You might have even right. asked Banks about that, right? Yeah, did. Um, so I think, yes, a lot of coaches probably say that, but I, I, it came across, it has come across with a lot of these coaches as more sincere to me, especially with the offensive guys. They gave examples of, Hey, how they've had to change what they do, whether it's Alex Gullish saying, Hey, we want to, we want to use tight ends in multiple ways, but you know, at this school, we didn't have the tight ends to be able to do that. So we use them in a different way. So they've kind of given examples of that. And and him not marrying himself to a 4-3 or 3-4 based on what they uh, have, I think is a smart thing. And spring practice will go a long way towards showing them that. They may have an idea now, but they don't have to say we're going to be 4-3 or 3-4. Heupel believes in them being multiple. Uh, I think Banks has done a lot of of different things with different fronts. It's college football today. Like, How can you be a coach and only and only do one one system even even yeah. Saban's way with this three four they're in four down a lot because you have to be a nickel so I I, th- I thought that was a, a real positive in him staying flexible based on what he's got I think they're going to be mostly in a four three because I think the yeah. personnel dictates it I think they're so mm-hmm. much better on the defensive line not that they have great talent, but they have a lot of experience on that defensive line. They don't have nearly as much at linebacker. So I, that's what I think they're going to do. I agree we'll with you, see. Jimmy. Here's what else they yeah, – I'm sorry. Here's what else they have on that D-line in addition to experience. They have guys that have played both inside and out. So you already have guys that a lot of, in a lot of ways are already cross-trained because they've slid from end to tackle – in passing situations and have experienced some guys that have bounced around to both. So I think that will make that transition easier if they do spend more time in a four down. Now they may be a little undersized at time. If they do that, we'll see how it shakes out. But I I think that's another plus is, is the versatility of those linemen that they have to go with their experience. Banks also said the Knoxville is a great place to live, Uh, but we already knew that's right. Yeah. In the amenity, he small small college town feel with the city amenities. I, yeah, that yeah. that was that was a a good way to summarize uh, Knoxville. Obviously, lots to to sell for kids to come here. 
All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Tennessee special teams coach and his comment about chili when we get back. <laughs> With Vince Ferrar, I'm Jimmy Himes, Sports Talk 99.1, the sports animal. Today, from the Budweiser Studios of the sports animal. I am a semi-professional race car driver and an amateur tattoo artist. We are 99.1, the sports animal. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Vince Ferrar. I'm Jimmy Himes. Uh, to join us, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on Sports Talk. Hey, fellas, you mentioned right before y'all went to break, you mentioned uh, the uh, special teams coach. Could you go ahead and talk about him? Uh, sure, Vince. Yeah, he's a wild man. <laughs> I think that's the best way to <laughs> to describe him. Uh, he comes over from North Texas. He has experience at Power 5 schools, including two stops in the SEC, three years at LSU, two years at Georgia, uh, also USC, and in Nebraska. He's been there as well. He told a great story about his time at Nebraska and uh, tried to motivate his team to say, we're going to have the best scrimmage we've ever had here in Nebraska. And they did. They crushed it. And uh, Levante David from the Buccaneers is on that team. And so he decided to have someone drop him off on the interstate. And and then he ran back. He was going to run a full marathon back to the stadium because that's what he told his kids he was going to do. And he wants to, to show his loyalty and live up to his word. And then the police came and pulled him over for running along the interstate back to the stadium. And so he couldn't complete the the marathon that he was running, air quotes, because it's you're not supposed to run along the interstate. So uh, he's just he's crazy, really intense like that. Uh, Jimmy, you pointed this out yesterday. It was one of the things I was going to mention about Eckler that was was hilarious to me when he was asked there was that story that that he was the guy that got into uh you know a skirmish with jeremy pruitt while they're on the georgia staff and his answer to whether that was an urban legend or true was the only thing i'll say about georgia is that i enjoyed my time working for for mark Richt. so he could have squashed it and and he didn't uh so he's got the, the that experience and then obviously special teams is a is going to be huge and with that 10th coach it's something that he a route that he wanted to go i think that'll be his bigger role than than the linebackers to be honest with you but he's a very different personality that has a a, a reputation of being a good recruiter also so he's an interesting mix to this group steve right steve here's right. A, here's another thing about him so when he was at north texas back in 2016 he was a little bit more open when asked about his days at Georgia. And he right. said, I've worked at some of the greatest schools history-wise in the game, but what it boils down to is people. You can be at the University of Georgia and be miserable if you're working with <clears throat> uh, crappy people. I really enjoy my work environment and the players here. And that's what he said about, <laughs> about being at Georgia. <laughs> okay. Well... Well, okay, guys. Uh, I 
have learned learned some stuff that I had no clue. I did not know why people kept saying the, the uh, special teams guy was a wild man, but now I know. So, uh, <laughs> yep. so that, that's funny. <laughs> well, okay then, fellas. Y'all have a good day. Okay, Steve. Appreciate the call. See, Steve. And uh, a little bit more on Eckler. Uh, he was asked about special teams, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit here. Uh, but he said that on special, he said on offense you get at least three downs. On defense you get at least three downs. On special teams you got one shot at it. So your chili better be hot. Better be ready to rock and roll. <laughs> I wake up at three a.m. every day. I don't need a cup of coffee. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so he he doesn't need a cup of coffee and he gets up at three a.m. But he likes Red Bulls because that's kind of the way he coaches. So. He needs some extra juice. Interesting that it's Red Bull and just not, and not coffee. So, uh, I mean, he he's just a different cat, <laughs> Jimmy. That's that's crazy. And he's coached some really good NFL players. I mentioned Levante David, linebacker from the Buccaneers. He coached uh, Roquan Smith and Leonard Floyd at Georgia. And he has some in his background. He has some inside linebacker linebacking coaching background, but it. He will be doing the outside linebackers here. So I think that's another interesting part of it, Jimmy, is how does he blend in with Brian Jean-Marie, who's technically yeah. not just the inside linebackers coach. His title is his linebackers coach. How much is he involved in that? How do those two work together when I don't believe they have before? That That's another interesting little puzzle piece. When uh, Eckler was asked about where does that intensity come from, he said basically it's just in his DNA. And I just happen to enjoy Red Bull, and that's kind of how I coach. So, <laughs> and, and he coached at Neyland Stadium in 2005. He was a defensive intern at LSU. And if I'm not mistaken, I think LSU's quarterback might have been Jamarcus Russell in that game. But he said he remembered walking in the stadium. It was absolutely beautiful. It was incredible, breathtaking structure. Uh, over 100,000 people there singing Rocky Top, an electric environment. And he said he was in the press box, and it was shaking and moving. And um, <laughs> that, as I recall, that was a heck of a game uh, between uh, LSU and, uh, and, and Tennessee that particular year. I was going to look it up real quick. But I, I think Jamarcus Russell was a quarterback. But um, I think it was rocking and rolling that game. Uh, that was a game that um, – well, he said 2005, but that couldn't be right because that game was in Baton Rouge. He must have been talking about 2006. LSU played in Knoxville 2006, and I'm sure it was Jamarcus Russell. LSU won 28-24, to and Tennessee was ranked number eight, and LSU was ranked number 13 at the time they played that game. But, yeah, uh, yeah that, was a, that was a really, really good football game, but that's the one he had to be referring to, 2006, not, not uh, 2005. So, all right, uh, when we come back, we've got one other uh, coach to discuss, I believe, and we'll do that when we come back. And, again, if you want to join us, 656-9900, I'm Jimmy Himes along with Vince Farrar. His appearance this hour brought to you by Waters Equipment. Sports Talk 99.1, the sports animal. Credibility, honesty, and a dedication to bring you the sports information you deserve each afternoon. This is Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Himes on 99.1 The Sports Animal. 
Welcome back to Sports Talk. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Vince Farrar. His appearance this hour brought to you by Waters Equipment. Let's go to the phones where Harley is our next caller. Hello, Harley. Hey, the reason I was calling, I was wondering how far can the coaches go in dealing with uh, with the coaches at the other schools that they're interested in with their football players. How far can they go visit with the coaches, and can the football players be present at that time? Uh, Harley, my understanding. They can't talk to Well, I think there's converse. You can talk, but I think, Vince, it's only through Zoom. You cannot visit. Players cannot come to visit you officially. You can't go see them, but you can have Zoom communication, correct? Correct. The the players, I think, can still take unofficial visits to campus. Right. Um, So, you know. Can, they can't see can the coaches. And the coaches go to their right. school. No. They see the, they no. see the coaches on the other teams. No. Right. On the teams no. where they're recruiting. Not yet. Right. Can they go to Oak Ridge and talk to their coach <laughs> out there? Not their player, but oh, their coach. Oh, sure. Like the yeah, coaches can can get background information on on any player, and yeah, they can visit schools without. You know, going to see the players and get information and things like that, but they can but, you know, to see to if they to just build a relationship. They don't. I mean, during the dead, they period? don't have to. Uh, well, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Jimmy. That would still fall in it. I guess communicate. They can still communicate <laughs> with the coaches. I get, but maybe not physically there. So yes, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Can uh, we got any interest going uh, interest going with some of the players that's in the transfer portal that you know of? Not that I know of. Uh, there, there about last time I looked, there were over nineteen hundred people that had entered the transfer portal uh, from the start of uh, the season in August. Over nineteen hundred. Yeah. I would bet you, Harley, that Tennessee is looking to try to find look and I. And, and I'm sure others are, too. I'm sure they're looking for an offensive tackle. I'm sure they're looking for a pass rusher. I'm sure they'd love to have another defensive back. I I think there's a really good chance that they will fill out the rest of their initial signees, the rest of that roster, with people in the transfer portal. Uh, by my count, I think they've got room for four more that they can take. And so I think they'll use it on the transfer portal, but I – um, I'm sure they're going to have a fight on their hands with other schools that are probably looking for something similar. Yeah, I'd say it'll be a battle. But anyway, I appreciate talking to you. Okay, thank you, Harley. Appreciate it. Yeah, Jimmy, the transfer portal is so interesting because there are a lot of kids that end up on the transfer portal don't find homes. Yes. But the the best players there is, especially at certain specific uh, uh, positions, then there's a huge competition for those guys. It's just after the most coveted players, then there's a real drop off in in the interest in in other players, and you, those guys don't always get. A lot of them don't end up finding homes, even though they go in the portal. That that is correct. And uh, and Tennessee has signed a couple out of the uh, transfer portal. Uh, the uh, quarterback from Virginia Tech, and Hooker. Uh, Chase McGrath out of USC. They signed a, a junior college player and uh, two of them, a receiver and an offensive lineman. That's four 
and I can't remember, Vince, if they were at, with the departures of those asking out of their national letter if they were at 17 or 18. Do you remember? Um, the, you mean scholarship players from Tennessee? Yes, the, the ones they signed. So they let they cut uh, some of them loose. So I don't know oh, okay. if they were at 17 or 18. Whatever that number is, you add four to it based on the right. junior college, the two JUCOs and the two transfer portal guys. So you're at 21 maybe right now, which is why I'm saying I think they can take four in the transfer portal. Now, here's the other part of that. Uh, and I don't know if Tennessee is – there have been discussion over that. If they self-impose six scholarships, eight scholarship reduction, ten scholarship reduction, they may not fill out any more of this. They may, they may leave it at 21 or so. Well, it's you may take you may take the hit now to be able to sign more next year. I would. Um, what would you do? Yeah. I, I I would lean towards that. Yes, it depends on the pool. Um, it depends. I mean, Josh Heupel kind of talks like he's he feels good about installation, the the players, things like that. Maybe he'll feel differently coming out of spring, but I. You know, I, it depends on how much he feels like maybe a couple of guys can put him over the edge to have a good season to maybe build uh, some momentum, at least regardless of the NCAA stuff. He can kind of show progression in the program and they're heading in the right directions. He may mm-hmm. direction. He may feel like that's pretty valuable, more valuable than a spot or two here and there. I, I think that's a moving target, Jimmy, based on how he evaluates his roster. Uh, linebacker coach Brian Jean-Marie, uh, he um, met with the media. What stood out to you, Vince, about what he said? Well, certainly it, his background with Charlie Strong is something that he talked a lot about. And it, it's, um, it you know, seemed to be just you know, having the experience with for a long time uh, or, or, I guess, competing against uh, Josh Heupel's offenses when he was at USF. And um, he, he he said that this offense is going to put a lot of points on the scoreboard when talking about being a defensive coach and having to, you know, to coach with an offense that is the style of Tennessee. And, you know, I also think when he was asked about Henry Toto and Kovars Crouch, he had a he had a similar comments to Tim Banks, and yeah. I didn't take it as very encouraging. No, he, you know he, he said he's talked to them, but they immediately went to well, we're focused on the guys that are here. Yeah. I didn't think that was a very good sign, and not that I felt like he was they were those guys were staying anyway. But I I thought that I took that as. Those guys aren't coming back here. Yeah, we're going to try, but they're not coming back here. That That's the way I read into what he said about it, and Banks had a had a similar answer to it, don't you think? Absolutely. I, I got the same thing out of that. I'd be very surprised if they come back. I expect Henry Toto to go to Alabama. Crouch, I don't know. I just don't think he's going to go to Tennessee. Um, another thing that, that um, uh, he talked about was uh, with the linebackers, that you have to be versatile enough to stop the run and adequate enough to defend the pass. And when you go against an up-tempo offense, you just don't have the opportunity to sub. So that's one of the things they're looking for. And 
that fits into what Jeremy Pruitt used to call the three-down linebackers, that they can stay on the field the whole time. That's what Tennessee is probably going to have to try to do if, indeed, they do face some, face some teams that go up-tempo. Yeah, three-down linemen in the four-for-four four that Pruitt used to always talk about. Yeah. And guys that can play all four. Right. But, Jimmy, even, you know, Henry Henry T probably could have, even though he had he had his limitations in some areas, uh, or at least he didn't develop like he he had hoped as a as a total linebacker in some areas. Uh, the the weight loss I think helped him with his mobility, but at times I think it hurt him in getting off blocks and things like that. I agree. Uh, even though he's still even though he's still a very good player and by far their best linebacker, but I, I don't know that they that they had a four for four guy. That doesn't matter now, but I, I don't know that they have three down linemen now. Uh, three down linebackers now in that group, Jimmy. I think that that position is I mean, those positions. I should say it's a huge question mark for for this team. And there's there's a fair amount of them on defense, but man, they may need the two coaches there just because it's such a challenge and trying to get more out of that group than they've been able to. That they're they're going to. Um, you know, and we'll see some of those guys that were hybrid outside linebackers, the Roman Harrisons and some of those guys are, are they going to turn them into outside backers or are they going to add weight to them and make them defensive ends? Um, so I, I think there's a lot of those in between guys. If they do more of the four, three type, uh, I, I think the, a lot of decisions like that that will need to be made, and maybe it will improve that linebacking group if some of those ends or hybrids before end up being more of the true outside backers, and maybe they find a more natural home. That that would be the best way to solve some of their question marks with the current roster uh, as much as anything else. And what I see is Jeremy Banks needs to improve his uh, pass coverage skills. Aaron Beasley needs mm-hmm. to merge to play like the four-star that he was. I'm going to uh, X out Crouch because I don't think he's coming back. And uh, to your point, Roman Harrison, I think, is a good pass rusher. He needs to become a more all-around linebacker. Same with Tyler Barron and same with uh, Marvin Joseph. I don't yeah, know enough I about like... the others to say that. Sorry. Sorry, Jimmy. I, I, Morvin Joseph. You, I like the last two names you mentioned because I was really high on Morvin Joseph, and you know he he got some run and some sub packages at times. I really like him. I, I kind of think that Joseph might be a little bit more of of a candidate to potentially be a defensive end. We'll mm-hmm. see what they do from a weight standpoint. And then Harrison was at you know two forty, so. Uh, you know he's not that far away to where you can you can maybe make him, uh, you know, a, a backer, uh, a, a linebacker more so than a defensive end. But the the key, I don't know if you've seen any of the hype videos of the offseason workout videos. Tyler Barron has been leading a lot of what they've been putting on video, like really being the voice and the leader, and taking a much bigger leadership role as what will be a sophomore year now. So I, I, I kind of like that, what I've seen in some of those videos that UT has put out there from Tyler Barron, and he showed a lot of potential taking advantage of his playing time as a freshman. 
That's Vince Ferrara. His appearance this hour brought to you by Waters Equipment. I'm Jimmy Himes. When we come back, we'll have more Sports Talk 99.1, the sports animal. Now back to more of the most trusted sports information on the air. Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Himes on 99.1, the sports animal. Welcome back to Sports Talk. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Vince Farrar. His appearance brought to you this hour by Waters Equipment. Events Tennessee and baseball taking on Charlotte today. What's been impression? Uh, what's been your impression of Tony Vitello's team? Well, they have it. He has talked about this. Tony Vitello has all of the experiences that they've had to deal with that could help them. They haven't been as dominant as maybe we saw them in the preseason outside of the two losses to Wright State last year. They haven't been that kind of outfit. But I think these are things that could potentially uh, harden them and help them in SEC play. Now, one, they obviously have not been as good offensively as I think they will need to be in SEC play. Some of the better pitchers from the non-conference opponents they've played have been able to slow Tennessee down a little bit. Some of that is in Tennessee's uh, is is Tennessee's fault because I think some of their older players have tried to do too much and put too much pressure on themselves to have this unbelievable uh, year individually. And so you know, we haven't seen all the guys, the Pavalonis, the Fergusons, the Luke Lipsies. They've all had their moments, but I think those guys just haven't relaxed and, and been as good offensively as I think their potential is. Uh, as a lineup one through nine, and even with some depth, so it, it those those things are things that you worry you worry a little bit about, you think about, but the experiences are a positive. I think the one thing that could hurt Tennessee is not having a dominant arm, and I think Jackson Lee, as he was working his way back from the tonsillitis and some of the the time he missed in uh, leading up to the season. Having him go down with that with that hamstring injury for what will be an extended period of time, he's still looking for a second opinion on that. Uh, so I, I think that's going to hurt Tennessee because the 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 top teams in this league they have those kind of arms, and I think Jackson Lee could have been that for Tennessee. Chad Dallas has been very good on Friday nights. I'm not discounting his, his effectiveness, but I think a dominant arm is what this team is is maybe missing to have SEC, high SEC success. And um, maybe they can get that on the back end of conference play. We'll see. But uh, those are a couple of things. But this is a v- still a very, very talented team that as they evolve and, and maybe ramp up as opposed to spiking up in, the, in pre-conference, I think you can see them be very, very competitive in what's a loaded SEC. I mean, D1 baseball has them up to 15. You mentioned that earlier in the news and notes, Jimmy. That's seventh in the SEC. The <laughs> top five in that poll yeah. are from the SEC. So yeah. it, you're, we're not just talking about Tennessee being good in pre-conference. They're going to have to go up against the elite of elite in college baseball almost every weekend or every other weekend. So th- that's the one thing that I think might be the difference between them you know, trying to climb up to them and them being somewhere in the middle of the pack. 
And by the way, the Charlotte team, one of their best hitters is a former Vol, Austin Knight. He's got four home runs, 17 RBI for Charlotte.